Welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where Pastor Jeff Cranston, along with our host, Jen Denton, will discuss biblical theology in an understandable way. You'll discover how to apply biblical truth to your life. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Well, welcome back, fellow Kitchen Table theologians. We invite you to come and have a seat at Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Jen Denton, and along with Pastor Jeff Cranston, we are constantly trying to put those theological cookies on the bottom shelf where we can all reach them. And we try to do this in ways that are very applicable to the lives we live, because the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. I'm super excited today because we are going to jump into yet another Q&A session where we get to hear from you on your thoughts as you've listened through these podcasts over these last few weeks and spent this time with us. We've had several of you reach out via email or Instagram, and we are thrilled to have you join us today. Our first question, Pastor Jeff, we're just going to throw it out there. We're just going to jump in like this? We are. We're just both feet. These are harder than the regular podcast. <laughs> Should I? <laughs> I love having the questions. Slow though. roll it on the, a grounder. Nah, let's just throw a fastball in, and uh, you know, that, I just feel like I have so much more um, opportunity to go into false doctrine and theology. In and these. I'm right there to poke a finger <laughs> yeah, at it, so exactly I get a front seat right. to it. Well, hey, our well, first we'll question our today comes from a listener named Caroline who asked. Is there a proper way to pray in regards to the Trinity? Following up our conversation on the Trinity, mm-hmm. you know, dear Father, Lord, Holy Spirit, dear Jesus, you know, sometimes we might ask this another way. Who do I pray to? Do I pray to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one or two, all three? <laughs> hey, y'all, you listening? <laughs> how, how should we handle that? That's a great question, Caroline. Um we all ask it. I mean, I still find myself sometimes when I'm praying, wait a second now, how, how should I direct this, this prayer? Is this a Holy Spirit thing? Is this a kind of a Jesus deal? It uh, depends you know. on what you're asking for uh, yeah, it, day. And it kind of does. <laughs> um, and it's a really good question because it, it just strikes at, again, our understanding of the Trinity and our desire to want, not, not to break them up into three separate mm-hmm. entities, but... You know, there are three of them, and yet they're all one. So how, how do we pray? So let me, let me try to shed a, hopefully a little bit of, of light on this. Let's just understand right from the get-go, all prayer of ours should be directed to our triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. Now, the Bible allows for prayer to one or to all three. Because all three are one. We go right back to trying to explain the Trinity, which is fairly unexplainable to us. You know, we can can pray to the Father. We've got the the psalmist, Psalm 5-2, Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God, for to you I pray. So there he's praying to God the Father. And to Jesus... We pray as to the Father because they are equal. And, you know, one, one prayer, or I, I should say a prayer, to any member of the Trinity is a prayer to every member of the Trinity. Mm. So when I pray to Jesus, I'm praying to God in the Spirit. When I'm praying to the Spirit, I'm praying to Jesus and God and, and so forth. And we're told by Paul in Ephesians that we are to pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Thanks to God the Father for everything 
in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, Ephesians 5.20. Jesus assured his disciples, he said, whatever you ask in my name, meaning in you know his name, his will, would, would be granted. That's John 15, John 16. We're told to pray in the Spirit and in the power of the Spirit. The Spirit helps us to pray even when we don't know how or what to ask for. I think we touched on that in episode 10. Mm-hmm. And, it's and a word. It's a help. Yeah. 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 And, and the Spirit prays for us with groanings and utterances too deep for words. So perhaps the best way to understand the role of the Trinity in prayer is that we pray to the Father through or in the name of the Son by the power of of the Holy Spirit. But here's the deal. All three are active participants in the believer's prayer. Mm-hmm. So whom are we to pray to? Is it, no, that's terrible English. To whom to are whom? we to pray? The answer is God. You know, praying to God and God alone is far more important than to which person of the Trinity we address our prayers. Now, there, there's times, I don't know, you can chime in on this all you want to, you know, where... I do, you know, I am directly addressing Jesus. I'm thanking him for, you know, going to the cross mm-hmm. for the specific mm-hmm. things that he did. Mm-hmm. But even there, I, you know, if I just say, you know, to Jesus, Jesus, thank you for my salvation. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? The Father sent him so I'd have salvation. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit uh, is, the, is the, uh, the author of our salvation, so, the, you know, again, you're, you're right back to where you started. So when we pray to one, we're, we're praying to them all. Praying to all. And, you know, that's a great lead in and maybe just even a little clarification to our listener Randy's question. And his question is, why the sequence then of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? If they're one, do they're not in alphabetical order, are they any, <laughs> any certain order there? Why the sequence of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Randy, thanks for the question. It's one I've never thought about in my whole life. Never, ever dawned on me. So thanks for making me go through this <laughs> to try to come up it's with an just answer. A, you just learn it that way, I guess. Well, it's, it's a good question. I mean, it's, it's one of those things question. that we assume, mm-hmm. well, it's always, yeah, that's just the way it is. Yeah. Well, why is it that way? So Randy's kind of going back, and, you know, that's a very good question because we certainly could refer to the Trinity in other orders of sequence. I mean, we, we could, but we don't. Mm-hmm. So why don't we? And, you know, in fact, the order of Father, Son, Holy Spirit is overwhelmingly the dominant one. That's mm-hmm. really all you ever hear. You go to a wedding, you hear it. A funeral, you hear it. A baptism, you hear it. You hear it in prayers. Um, man, every, you know, like... Um, Lutherans, Presbyterians sometimes, uh, Episcopalians for sure, Catholics for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the prayers in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, you know, the the sign of the cross, the genuflect, and, you know, uh, you just can't get away from it. If you're going to do church world, you're going to hear Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Well, here's here's the best answer I can come up with, Randy. I think we use it most of the time in the order of Father, Son, and Spirit and Holy Spirit. Because of Matthew 28, 19. In Matthew 28, 19, Jesus, this is the first half of the Great Commission. Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So that's the order Jesus used. 
So therefore, we've adopted that. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of goes along, well, how did, how did he teach us to pray? Here's the prayer Jesus taught us to pray. Okay, then we better pray that prayer. And such, now this is me, I don't have chapter and verse on this. This is me just trying to figure this out. Since baptism is such an important ordinance, uh, ordinance in the Christian church, it's, you know, it's baptism in the Lord's Supper. The usage in that order was heard time after time. Every baptism anybody ever went to, we're, we're commanded by Jesus to baptize in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so I just think it's stuck. Mm-hmm. You know, we heard it so often. And, and if, you, if you understand or know about the creeds and the confessions, if, if you don't, I would encourage you. I just got this Bible about three or four uh, months ago. Mm. I think it's an ESV version, English Standard Version, but it includes, and there's a couple of Bibles that do this, but find, maybe you want to buy the Bible at the back of the Bible, it has the, it has the creeds and confessions. Mm. Well, what is that? If you grew up in more of a mainline church, you know what I'm talking about. But there, there's like the creeds, the Nicene Creed, the um, Athanasian Creed, and then you've got all these great confessions of faith that came out of the Reformation, the Augsburg Confession, the Belgic Confession, uh, 39 Articles of Confession, the Westminster Confession, and then there's the catechisms, and the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that's how it goes in all those creeds and confessions. So that just ingrained it into the minds and hearts of believers. And even more recent statements um, of belief, like the Baptist faith and and message, um, that's within the last 20 years or so. That's what they use. But did you know, and here's where we're, uh, I'll end on that, it's not all Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's not always in that order in the New Testament. Hmm. Um, Paul and Second Corinthians thirteen, and it's a benediction. I love it. I use it all the time. Mm-hmm. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the c- communion or the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So here you have Son, Father, and Spirit. Mm-hmm. So I just think our usage of that Trinitarian order from the Great Commission is one that stuck with the church, and it made its way into the creeds and confessions, and that's how it's come to be used so frequently by us now. So great question, Randy. It is a great question. And again, one that you just don't think about. Nope. And Pretty interesting, though. Kitchen Table Theologians, we want you to ask those tough questions. We want you to not just accept something as truth, but to ask why. So, And speaking of someone that asks a lot of why, I got a fun little treat for you today. We had a question come in from your sweet little grandson. Seven years old. <laughs> Cade, who has lots of questions, many of them starting with why, and his mom Tiffany wants to know, how can you explain the Trinity in a way that kids can understand? And you already busted me that I tried to pull out my little book from my kindergartners that showed the little apple analogy and that it's not biblical. So... Go ahead. Who said Let's... it wasn't? You know, we talked about this, didn't we? I think before. you even used the word heretical. Not no. no did I, I think you did? Yeah, I, I, I may have. Who who knows? <laughs> um, you know. Uh, <laughs> now, if I'm going to go off and 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 go become heretical myself, it's going to be trying to explain the Trinity to a child. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> you know, like anything difficult, 
what, what do we try to do whenever we're up against something difficult and we want to understand it? Touch it. See it. Yeah. yeah. And we want analogies and we want illustrations and, t- okay, tell me what that's like. Mm-hmm. And, man, that's just impossible to do with the Trinity. And, you know, we use the, the egg illustration. You know, an egg has three parts, yolk, white, shell, um, and the one God is Father, Son, and Spirit, and then the apple. And I don't know what you use, the apple. Maybe the core, the peel, is flesh. Seeds, what did you use? The seeds. So there's four too. things. It was a beautiful pop-out book, it, and the little apple just opened up. They sell up them by the and, oh, thousand. Yeah, I still got it in my garage. Somewhere. And you know what? I, I think <laughs> if you, you know, for younger children, if the apple illustration, you know, basically buys you some time, <laughs> I think you can use it, but please understand it's it it's very limiting. It's it's, but again, you're you're trying to help a child, mm-hmm. and um, the best illustrations like the apple or the egg or water, you know, steam, water, ice, ice and steam, uh, yeah. water. Um, they, they just do a mediocre job of illustrating oneness and threeness. What? Wh- how do you do that? You know, the shamrock, mm-hmm. one and three. They all they they do a they really don't do a great job of illustrating the Trinity, and and the reason is simple: apples and eggs are material, and they're composed of parts. And God is immaterial and not composed of parts. Apples and eggs, leave them out for a week, and then tell me that you want to use that to illustrate God. Nope. So they're degenerative. God is not that. Um, you know, God is the creator and everything else is creation. So there's not going to be anything in our experience that is exactly like mm-hmm. God. You know, my ordination um, exam, I've got it on the shelf behind me. It was 186 questions. I was just about to ask how many pages it was. I don't even remember how many pages <laughs> it was, but at the end of two years. Have I talked about this before here? I don't think so. Uh, hopefully I haven't. I'll make it very short in case I have. At the end of two years of monthly meetings and theological papers and reading and assignments and all of this, I, I sat with six older, way more experienced pastors, and I had 186 questions that they were asking me, and I had a Bible in front of me, and I had to give two verses for every answer. Oh and literally, I, I just looked at it last week. One of the questions is define God— and give two examples. And how, how, and you pulled an apple out of your satchel. I pulled an apple said. out of my, <laughs> Oh, my word. But, you know, there, there's not going to be anything exactly like God. You can't give. It, it's hard at, 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 at best. And then Scripture, Psalm 89, just hammers that home. And it, it says, for who, for who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Okay, that would be a nothing, nobody. Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord? That's, nope, can't come up with that. A God greatly to be feared in the counsel of the holy ones and awesome above all who are around him. That tells us right there we're not going to be able to drill down enough mm-hmm. to illustrate God. The, the apple illustration, though, that's a, it's a decent one, but it leads to modalism, mm-hmm. which we talked about. Um, but Jen, you've you've taught you've taught this. You've led many children down the, the 
the path of perdition. So tell us, just tell us how the app illustration goes. I will. I'm going to try to try to do my very best teacher voice. Convince me. And yeah, you're I, on the I want to believe this. And your little eyes are looking yeah. up at me. Okay, so an apple has three parts. There's the seeds, the flesh, and the skin. And when you cut an apple in half, you can see that each of these three parts are different. So you can cut God in half. Well, see, there's where it breaks down right no, there. And there's it, a core. But the book says. <laughs> The skin is like God the Father because he protects us. Yep. Oh, see what I did there? The flesh <laughs> is like God the Son because Jesus Christ took on human flesh. flesh. Gotcha. And the seeds are like God the Holy Spirit because through his power, we grow in faith and we will bloom where we are planted. <laughs> Each of the parts of the apple are different, but they're all apple. So... So are the persons of God all different, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, yet they are all God. Dun, da, da. Yeah, well, not so much. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and even the apple illustration goes back to St. Patrick. The idea that, you know, he was trying to explain, as the story goes, the tr idea of the, the concept of the Trinity to the king. Mm. And, you know, he compared the Trinity to a shamrock and... That analogy explains that in the same way that one shamrock can have three leaves on it, the Trinity has three persons that constitute one God. And then we've modernized that analogy, the apple, uh, the egg, water, and all of that falls short because those components aren't enough to be considered a whole on their own. You know, they just, they, they, they break down. And so... You know, we could, we could talk about them, but but let's not. Uh, you know, you, you get the idea, I think, if you're listening. But l let me let me give you two concepts, two ideas maybe you can use in sharing with children. Now, let me state here and now, I am not an expert on teaching children. If I was, I'd be a children's pastor. But let me suggest two ways you could teach a child about the Trinity. One of the ways is using a triangle. Now, I was I thought, well, I'll explain this. But sitting here looking at this, I, I can't explain this in a podcast. So we're going to put this graphic in the show notes today, but it's a triangle. And what it teaches is that there's Father, Holy Spirit, and Son. You know, at the three points of the triangle, they're all connected. But it, it shows you that they are all God, but they are not each other. And I think for a child to be able to see that, and if you could have them draw that out after you explain it to them, because if they can replicate it, it, you're hopeful that they're getting it a little bit. So there's the triangle. Basically, there's three persons. Each person is God. Each person is distinct, distinct, and there's only one God. And that's one way. So rather than me try to, you know, and you get it in your mind, if you're interested, check the show notes on today's podcast, and we will put that graphic in there for you. And it is readily self-explanatory, I think. Don't you, Jen? Absolutely. Yeah, you can Absolutely. figure it. You'll figure it out. And a quick tip to Tiffany, you can always revisit it when you're 10. I remember explaining yeah. something to my daughter one time, and she said, hmm, I don't think that's all. Let's revisit this when I'm 10. <laughs> so you can always revisit it and expand on it as well. <laughs> The other example or the other thing I would, I would say to, to parents or grandparents is try to help your child th think through the difference between who and what. Mm. And, and you could use some examples. Um, 
like you 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 ask them who are you and then kind of what are you and then you can pull some examples around maybe if you've got a pet around the house so if you look at your dog and Jen's dog's name is Peppa and we're praying for Peppa today because Peppa's Peppa's not feeling well but you would ask your child well you know who who is that and they say Peppa well what is Peppa Peppa's a dog so there's a difference between who and what. Mm-hmm. And then you could bring an angelic being in there. You could talk about Michael the archangel, you know, around Christmas time or whatever. Who is that that's Michael? What is Michael? Michael's the archangel. Mm-hmm. So who and what difference there? And then, like to my little grandson, Cade, okay, who are you? He would say, Cade, what are you? Well, I'm a, I'm a human being or I'm a little boy. And so you, you start to help the children differentiate the difference between who and what? Mm. And then you apply that to God. And so when you say, who are you? You answer in three ways, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What are you? For those three, same answer, God. Mm. So you know what? At the end of the day, and, and we'll, um, we'll, we'll, put these, we'll put those who and what, they're, they're in boxes as we're sitting here looking at them, and that might make sense to you or for your child. Look, at the end of the day, the Trinity is a mystery that cannot be fully comprehended. You know what? I'm all right with that. I, I, if we have a God we can understand, then we have a finite God because we have a finite mind. Um, the, the Trinity is never a contradiction. Uh, it is a paradox, though, the Trinity. But you know what? God's bigger and much greater than we can understand. And so we're, we've got to be totally cool with that. And... But here's the deal. Even though it gets difficult sometimes maybe to explain it to a child or explain it to yourself, mm-hmm. the teaching of the Trinity is clear in Scripture, and we've got to preserve that teaching. So we've got to keep on on teaching it. God is three in one. And I'll end with one of the creeds, um, the Athanasian Creed. Kind of, And here's the benefit of creeds sometimes. They help us to explain things. Mm-hmm. And in the words of Athanasian Creed, we worship one God in Trinity and the Trinity in unity, neither blending their persons nor dividing their essence. Mm. That says it really, really well. Mm-hmm. And so thank you for the uh, questions. They were, they were challenging. All three of them were pretty challenging for me. And uh, keep the questions coming. And every so often here on Kitchen Table Theology, we'll throw up a podcast where we will answer the questions that you are asking. And I think you just got another book idea today. You already have several out for grown-ups. Maybe you need to throw your, oh. your hat in the ring at that <laughs> pop-out children's book. <laughs> I think with your experience, you'd be great at that. <laughs> oh, I'd just land back with the apples and... Yeah, it'd be another pop-out book. It would be another pop-out book. (laughs) Well, hey, we, again, hope that these questions have been helpful for you. Maybe they're one that you even thought of yourself. Each week, we add new podcast resources for you. And if you haven't yet subscribed, we hope you will. Head on over to YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you're listening from and hit subscribe. We're putting more and more resources up for your study and personal growth in God's Word. So make sure you don't miss a thing. As we wrap up today's podcast, let's remember that the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that our time together today has helped you become a better kitchen table theologian. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Jen Denton and Pastor Jeff Cranston. 
Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, you can check out the show notes at jeffcranston.com. You can also email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.